Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening and welcome to Amplify, a telephone talk show that looks at life from a religious perspective. I'm Father Ron Lingwin, hoping you have felt the warmth of God's love in your life this day, especially the joy you feel when you share God's love with others. And sometimes that's through... God's words working through you. Sometimes it's God's words coming to you. We're going to talk about that this evening. As we have uh, done every week for more than 40 years now, we begin each program with a story that is based on faith and form with imagination. The title of this story is Teachers of the Word. It is taken from the book Stories of Jesus, a gospel of faith and imagination, uh, stories that um, I've begun this program with. Again, the program's 45 years old. About five years in, we began to tell stories as kind of a prelude, kind of a way of providing some introduction through faith and imagination uh, through the topic of the evening. Um, the, the title of this story is Teachers of the Word. Jesus and his friends sat around a fire. They felt warm and comfortable. There was no sign of the rain that Jesus knew would come in the morning. Peter, like the others, had eaten well, and now it was time to talk about what had happened that day. He said, Master, are we not good students and followers of yours? Jesus was surprised by his question and answered, Yes, my friend, but surely you already know this. But Master Peter asked, Who will carry the message after we are all gone? Jesus shook his head and said, My friend, my friend, many men and women listen to us and then tell others what they have heard. But they don't tell them everything, John remarked. That is true, Jesus said, but each one has something different to tell. Our word shall spread all over the world the Father has created. The men sat there with wonder in their eyes. How can this be? They asked one another. Jesus smiled and said, Look up. What do you see? Darkness, one answered. Stars, another said. And the third replied, the moon. 
Jesus said, other people throughout this world are watching the same sky that you now see. He scooped up a handful of dirt, a stone, and a twig. He held his hand high so that they could all clearly see it in the light of the fire. Slowly the earth fell between his fingers, and then the stone, and finally the twig. He immediately scooped them up again and repeated the same procedure a second, a third, and a fourth time. They looked at one another as a large tear rolled down his cheek. There was silence. Only the cracking of the fire could be heard. He breathed a deep sigh and said, People's minds are, are like this earth, this stone and this twig. It is in the earth that a seed grows. Stones are used to build a house. Twigs are burned to start a fire and cook food. They still did not understand him. So Jesus said, All three are necessary. If the words of my Father are to remain firmly rooted in the hearts, minds, and souls of faithful people where they will be remembered, thought about, shared with others, and explained. Words need an open heart and mind where they can grow. Words need a home where their true meaning will be protected. Words reveal truths that give life. At this point in the program, I read a portion from the book we will be uh, discussing. And uh, this evening, it's, it's the Bible. And one of my favorite passages in the Bible in the gospel, is in the Gospel according to St. John, who explains that his purpose in writing is to make you believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his world. In my, in my, in, I said in his world, in his name, excuse me, in his name. Um, chapter 17 is often referred to as Jesus' priestly prayer. And you might, as a priest myself, then you might understand that uh, that might be my favorite uh, passage, among others. But this one's my very favorite one. John's Gospel is my favorite. We would like to believe that the author of the Bible is present with us this evening, the Holy Spirit, to inspire us. And so often that happens through the people we deeply love and respect. At other times, it is through people we are meeting for the first time. And I'm going to uh, introduce to you in just a second um, the person who will be speaking on on behalf of God's words in some senses that we'll explain. But first of all, reading from the 17th chapter of St. John. These things Jesus spoke. And raising his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy name, that thy Son may glorify thee, even as thou hast given him power over all flesh, in order that to all thou hast given him, he may give everlasting life. Now this is everlasting life, that they may know thee, the only true God, in whom thou hast sent, 
Jesus Christ. I have glorified thee on earth. I have accomplished the work that thou hast given me to do. And now do thou, Father, glorify me with thyself, with the glory that I had with thee before the world be began. I have manifested thy name to the men whom thou hast given me out of the world. They were thine, and thou hast given them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have learned that whatever thou hast given me is from thee, because the words thou hast given me I have given to them, and they have received them, and have known of a truth that I came forth from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. Not for the world do I pray, but for those whom thou hast given me, because they are thine, and all things that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I am coming to thee, Holy Father. Keep in thy name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I kept them in thy name. Those whom thou hast given me, I guarded. And not one of them perished except the son of perdition, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to thee. And these things I speak in the world, in order that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the word is hated, the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not pray that thou take them out of the world, but that thou keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Even as thou hast sent me into the world, so I also have sent them into the world. And for them I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Yet, not only for these do I pray, but for those also who through their word are to believe in me, that all may be one even as thou, Father, in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory that thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and thou, and that thou hast loved them, even as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that where I am, they also whom thou hast given me may be with me, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, because thou hast loved me before the creation of the world. Just, Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have made known to them thy name, and I will make it known, in order that the love with which thou hast loved may be in them, and I in them. The 17th chapter of St. John's Gospel. And we believe that this evening the 
the Spirit is uh, speaking to us uh, through Michael Lichens, who is the editor of Catholic Exchange and blog editor of St. Austin Review, and when he's not revising and Eddington, editing, editing, he's often found studying and writing about G.K. Chesterton, religion and literature, or random acts of local history. And he has degrees from both the University of Chicago Divinity School and the Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. Michael, welcome to Amplify. Thank you, Father Ron. It's great to be with you. Um, the uh, 17th chapter that I read is from the new Bible that just came out. The Catholic mm-hmm. Reader's Bible, the four Gospels and the Acts Acts of the Apostles, the Epistles and the Book of Revelation, Confraternity uh, Edition. And um, the Catholic Reader's Bible has been published just uh, recently in two volumes by Sophia Press. And the. And you have a role in, in this. You, you must have a love for the Word of God yourself that you would be selected to do this. I do, and also I'm fascinated by the different ways the Bible gets presented. Like that your reading was very beautiful, and it's delightful to see how we can take these— I grew up reading the Bible as a child. I was evangelical, and oh, we love the Bible. Uh, so my parents would encourage me to memorize and try to understand it. I've forgotten a lot of it, unfortunately. But it continues to this day, and this edition in particular, I was really delighted to be pre- uh, to help present it to the world. And why why is that? This when you speak about this edition, edition we should clarify that there are many yeah. translations. There are hundreds, oh, yeah. hundreds of translations. For example, was within I had a guest uh, within the last um, probably two or three years, the Didache. Bible with commentaries based yeah. on the Catechism of the Catholic Church from the Midwest Theological Forum. And there's another Bible just coming out now. Is it by Commonweal? Someone else has another translation. And um, probably the one we, we that I read this morning, the these and the thous, you, you would think immediately of uh, one of the older translations, like the King James that a lot of people mm-hmm. grew up on. Yeah, and also uh, this trans. This edition is based off the Dewey Reims uh, translation, which yes. was, I mean, it was the universal translation for English speakers up through the American Revolution, and there have been different editions about it throughout, so it's one that would be very familiar to a lot of Catholics who maybe grew up. I know we had a copy on my bookshelf, uh, but yeah, it's a, the, one of the reasons why I really like this particular edition is... Uh, this is from the mid-18th century, so the English is a little more common and understandable yes. by us than, say, the earlier Dewey Reims, which, you know, it was the first edition was 1609. The English has changed a lot, as most living languages do, over a course of a couple hundred years. So this one's understandable, but what I really love is the layout. It's a single column, and they're much like very early editions of the Bible. There are no chapter and verses in the text itself. You read it almost as if you're reading a novel or a series of essays uh, with some of the epistles. And I think it makes you look at the Bible in a different way. In, in, in what way? How, how would that be? Uh, I've, um, as a priest, I've, uh, we've had, uh, I've had many different Bibles, and they're on my shelves. Uh, like the, the Jerusalem, yeah. the New <laughs> Jerusalem, 
you know, Bible. And uh, the Revised Standard Edition, the New Revised Standard mm-hmm, Edition, mm-hmm, and others mm-hmm. that uh, Bibles that people have given to me uh, over the years. Oh, I'm sure. It, uh, what I think it does is that, well, I mean, if you open any of those Bibles you have there, what it's probably going to be is very thin paper, and it's going to be broken down in two columns, chapter and yes. verses. And those chapter and verses are really helpful for scholarship, uh, for memorizing, if you're trying to do that, like have rote memorization as a child, when you're learning to do things like that, it can be really helpful. But if that's all you've ever read, sometimes it's really hard to take the chapter and verse in the full context of how you read it. Whereas if you're reading it as a paragraph on a single column, your mind tends to want to look at all of it and want to keep it all in context. And I notice, for me anyways, especially with the epistles, it starts to feel almost like a letter concerning the times we live in now, and it reads like uh, much better than the computer screens I have to read usually. Yes, and um, it's, I was going to say it read, it's the structure is something like a book, but it, uh, it, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have chapters as such, but uh, the place in the Bible, there are, the only citations are the, the page number and uh, what gospel and verse and, and uh, it's from, chapter and verse. Yes. So you can look mm-hmm. that up, but other than that, um, uh, I think uh, the information that I received it, it's, it's kind of like uh, the, 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 they want it to be read the way people read the book in ancient times, in the ancient, yes. ancient structures. Exactly. So in early translations of the Bible, and actually even through the Middle Ages, you, you can find biblical manuscripts, and you'll notice, you know, it doesn't say Job 34, this, but it will say it's the book of Job, uh, or referencing you know, the particular story, but they don't ever cite chapter and verse. Likewise, in St. Augustine, he can quote St. Paul very well. He quotes St. Paul in the Psalms throughout his writings, but he never names a chapter and a verse. He just quotes it as if he's, it's something that he and people have been reading and hearing constantly. So it, it brings us back to an earlier and almost a, kind of the way our ancestors had to read the Bible at times, which was either this way or they would only hear it, and not necessarily be able to read it. And of course, part of the reason um, that footnotes were added was to try mm-hmm. to give people some understanding of uh, what Jesus was teaching us. Yeah. But, it, but at the same time, um, uh, different people with different beliefs interpreted it differently. So uh, <laughs> depending what, what translation you were reading, uh, that would in some way guide then what your beliefs would be and what you believe that Jesus was actually teaching. We're going to take our first break, Michael, and then when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about the Catholic Reader's Bible. Lovely. Welcome back to uh, Amplify, where our guest is Michael Litchens. We're talking about the Catholic Reader's Bible. Um, and let me read... From it in terms of uh, why there is a a new translation um, reading from a preface uh, to the publication of the book this revised version is presented with the confidence that it will advance the reading and appreciation of the New Testament it is offered with the hope that it may awaken new interest in the Word of God 
and that it may bring to God's children the manifold blessings of his letter to them. At the same time, it is presented with a humble prayer that, as it has been prepared with all diligence and care, it may not interpret the divine message in any way except in the full sense intended by the Holy Spirit. It is he who has given it to us for our instruction and that we may have hope. Anything you'd like to amplify on those words, Michael? I like that last word, particularly the hope. And that is something we're in real need of right now in this world. And I think one of the big reasons why we wanted to offer this edition, as you said, there's hundreds, so why have this one? We think that there's a way that if you can have a a Bible that is, one, just really sturdy and easy to use, especially for guys like me who put Bibles in their pocket a lot, and that you're going to approach it differently. You're going to look at it in a new way, but also it's going to be a great comfort to you as you go through the verses and the chapters you're already familiar with. And I think that's the thing we need right here, right now, is a little more of the Word of God throughout the world and the hope that God can give us. How, how is it that um, interpretation—well, let me read, first of all, it may not inter- sure. interpret the divine message in any way except in the full sense intended by the Holy Spirit. So I can read from another Catholic Bible, and there are many of those, too. Uh, the mm-hmm. Didache Bible, only because it, it was recent, and this one. How yeah. do we determine um, what what difference does language make? We know it makes a whole lot. I know that as a talk show host, in terms of what I say, yeah. it could be misinterpreted in in by people in, in any number of different mm-hmm. ways, for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think the language can be important from, from my perspective. Uh, I always have the motto when people wonder what's the best Bible to use. They say the one you read. Yes. And that can be t- some of the older language. Like I love the King James and the Dewey Reams Bible, but for a lot of people that can seem archaic and clumsy, and they, that can be a huge distraction when you're trying to read or listen to it. Whereas uh, a language that's more adept, I don't, we don't necessarily need to write it in modern slang, but a language that's just more adept in trying to, show the meaning of how it was written all those centuries ago is very important. It can really change how you see it, because then Christ goes from somebody who says, who says uh, some uses languages and words in numbers and verses, and you know, almost a distant character, to someone who's actually on the page that you can begin to really get to know and realize is truly real. He was truly real in 33 AD. He's truly real now. Mm-hmm. And that can be a great gift for trying to take up daily scriptural reading. And if I if I read from another translation, you would mm-hmm. know that it was different. But yeah. you would you would know I th- I would hope you would understand it's the same message. And so, mm-hmm. um, we all hear things in 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 different in different ways. How yeah. how how does it how's the trans new translation? put together. Uh, there are probably thousands of Bible, quote-unquote, scholars mm-hmm. across the world, some uh, considered to be better than others, no doubt about sure. that. But with the same um, 
scholars, biblical scholars from someone who would do a, another translation be used also for this translation? Or, or do we find people who are of, of, the, of the same type of thinking, basically, in, in the approach to what it is that appeals to people and how they can clarify the issues? That's a great question. Uh, traditionally, Bibles are put, the translations, especially since the Renaissance have been put together almost by committee of different scholars, and it can, turn, it can get interesting uh, early on in trying to create an English Bible for our language. It was downright political and nasty at times. Yes. Like you can read uh, one book I enjoyed was called God's Secretaries. I just talked about the political intrigue going on and putting on, together the King James Bible. This particular one was a revision of a translation from the Latin Vulgate into a language that's more familiar. It's a little odd to us, maybe, but it's a little more familiar from the 18th century. Right. So some some uh, translations would uh, refer to God as Lord, and in mm -hmm. another they refer to God as Yahweh. And um, uh, in terms of inclusive language, sometimes everything was masculine. Um, mm -hmm. But and now they add, the, the 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 female and male have been added put together. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's there there's some of the sensitivities that that are part of something like this, and I'm I'm sure that uh, putting together a translation for the Bible was a lot different than the the book that you wrote, Truth, Beauty, and Comic Books. But I bet some of the principles <laughs> were the same, though. Are you know? <laughs> if you're when you're trying to put together anything, I mean, research is important, but we're all only able, I can't remember who said it, but I remember a saint said that we have to remember that we're all, as we're defined by our talents, we're also defined by our ignorance. Yes. And we, there's just blind spots we all have. And even some of the people I went to school with, I can think of people who were scholars in Hebrew and Greek, and they often talked about how difficult it was to really know what they were doing. And that's why you need multiple <laughs> people for something as important as the Bible. Right, and even this translation took something. Was it five years, three years, three to five years? I think, if I'm yeah, remembering five correctly, years. five years. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so and it was created it, from uh, another another translation. So right. It's just a revision, and that took a long time. Oop. The title, Catholic Reader's Bible. What is a reader's mm -hmm. Bible? I think it's it's a concept that seems to be perhaps more Protestant than Catholic. You could say that, but in many ways, this is almost a continuation of the type of Bibles that you might find in an art museum or things like that. Mm -hmm. They were smaller manuscripts that were put together by monks for usually wealthier people who could afford to have a book they could carry around. And that was the idea, was that it was usually just the Gospels and maybe the Psalms, sometimes the Epistles as well. And it would be presented in a very simple way without chapter verses or any commentary from scholars for travel, for reading when you are out in the woods or anything like that. So yeah, it does seem a little Protestant in that, you know, a reader's Bible, but in this case, I think it's continuing on with what our medieval ancestors did. Yes, and it's just that uh, I think that Protestants tended to do that more than uh, reader's Bible, more mm -hmm. than Catholics did because of the need to uh, <laughs> to teach uh, the footnotes and 
et cetera, et cetera. Oftentimes, a a new uh, there is a revision of the, of the Bible in translation is is different because of the particular needs of the church and society at that time. Um, uh-huh. Did Sophia Press believe there was that a need for something like this? Now, again, years ago, when they were even beginning to think about it. Yeah, we realized there was definitely a need to help. I almost want to say make Scripture accessible. Not that it's hard to find a Bible right now. I mean, you can get them for free and mo- from some people. But to make it something of a different experience, to try to open a new way and a light to see it, and open yourself up to the Spirit to teach you something from a story or a passage you've read dozens of times, but now that it's in a new format, in a new way, you might see something that the Spirit's been trying to tell you. Having talked about Pardon. a little bit about um, the reader's uh, Bible concept, mm-hmm. what makes this Bible Catholic? Um, and I'm coming at it just only from the perspective, and it's not a criticism, just for understanding. Sure. It doesn't have the footnotes that would would mm-hmm. clarify mm-hmm. some issues. So how how is it Catholic? What What makes it Catholic? So what makes it Catholic was the work that Bishop Shalana, who uh, led the revision of this with his coadjutor, he, he really wanted the Bible from the Catholic perspective to be presented. This is as Catholic as it gets, that it goes, the roots of this translation go all the way back to St. Jerome, in that he, you know, the first great Bible for the West, St. Jerome compiled it into the Latin Vulgate, which was the standard for over a thousand years in the West. And so this and then leads to the Dewey Reigns Bible, and then finally this edition of the Dewey Reigns, pardon me. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, it's continuing on with the Catholic way of constantly trying to find a way to teach and reach out to people in any way we can. St. Paul says to be all things to all men. Sometimes that's interpreted to take it a little too far, but in this case, we're trying to find another way to reach people who might say, well, I've heard the Bible, I grew up with it. If people like me, for example, who grew up with it, we had to learn chapter and verse, yes. and we get learned memorization. And like I said, sometimes that gets lost. It's not a bad way to learn the Bible, but sometimes you forget the context. I can think of one of my favorite passages in First Timothy, I want to say chapter 5. But it's uh, it's where he encourages to fight, to continue on, to be great, to be loving and charity, and to not give up. But when you look through that in First Timothy, there's more, so much going on that St. Paul is telling us, and a lot of that can be uh, coming back to us. He's talking about not just your duty to continue on by yourself, but to bring the rest of your church with you, and that might mean correcting people once in a while, which he talks about also not too far from that favorite verse. And for me, at least, when I was been reading it, since we started publishing it, it's been an enlightening to see exactly how much how much things change, but also, you know, the language and everything, but also how much things don't change. And it's a comfort and also makes me pray a little harder that, okay, mm-hmm. God, help us to learn from our past. How is it that you use the Bible yourself, then, a Bible like this? 
Oh, Bible like this, I think it's great to read the prefaces. I'm, I'm notorious for skipping just straight to the very middle of a book. But I would say start reading this as if you were about to read a new book from a favorite Catholic author. Mm-hmm. Or a group of favorite Catholic authors, I should say, that's compiled into one book. And you can just start, if you want to read through the Ephesians, just start right there and start reading it, you know, from the beginning to the very end until the chapter is done or until you're done with the heading you were starting. And I think uh, I'm trying to get better at daily Bible reading. I'm terrible at it, I'll be honest. But I find that this is helpful for saying, okay, I can read one or two pages and I can find a very good stopping point. And there's something to be said in terms of uh, daily Bible reading, that there are mm-hmm. passages that uh, touch one's heart and perhaps opens one's mind and refreshes the soul. Mm-hmm. And um, um, any grouping of words, and it's, it's true also of, of uh, anything we say, can have multiple uh, meanings, especially when mm-hmm. God is inspiring you so that you're not just looking at the physical words and whatever their meaning might be, if you look it up in a dictionary or, or a theology book, whatever, wherever to get to yes, some understanding, sure. but it, it allows the Spirit to speak to you. The words have uh, multiple meanings. They absolutely do. And one of the reasons why we're publishing this as a hardback only is we want people to read it without the distractions of everything else going on. Uh, You can read the Bible on your phone, and I highly recommend finding those many free apps, but I know I will start reading and immediately want to check Instagram or want to check up on the news, and it's almost like ADD in a bottle. But but we also understand that there are many great translations and commenters out there who can help enlighten the Bible if you get to a point of confusion, if you're having trouble understanding a passage. What I encourage people to do is, well, read it again and really try to think about it. If you're still really stuck on it, there's so many great commenters. Uh, the Ignatius Study Bible right. is a wonderful one, and it sounds like the Didache is, if you can find it at your bookstore, that one is also a fantastic one. Is it? So what we're saying is the Catholicity really comes from its historical roots, that it, it, was, it was published that way. Uh, before mm-hmm. even the Reformation, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and has the approval of the Church uh, throughout the centuries, Absolutely. and so that's why uh, we can say that. Will it be used in Mass, or is it uh, more for personal reflection and, and prayer? This is for private devotion and prayer. As of right now, I understand that the bishops are currently still only want uh, most parishes to use the, I believe it's the American Standard Ver- uh, Revised Edition now. I can't remember what they call it now, but that's the one you're going to hear if you go to your local parish. At a couple of Latin masses, you might hear the Dewey Reams translation, mm-hmm. but this one is more for private devotion. What does it mean whenever we are told that uh, the Word of the Lord endures forever. (laughs) I think that one is from Isaiah, and that is to say that, and this is actually, this very edition is a testament to how the Word of the Lord does endure, 
because this edition was published in 1750 in England, London, to be precise. And at the time, Catholics were not having a good time in London. Uh, there were persecutions. Bishop Sean Lanes, a successor who also helped with this edition, James Talbot, was actually tried for saying Mass, and he was targeted during Mass rioting, anti-Catholic rioting in London, which was not uncommon at the time. Catholics weren't allowed to own property. They weren't allowed to really practice their religion publicly. Most Catholic schools were either closed or operating highly illegally. And this was published not too long after priests themselves were being hunted down, uh, which you can see in like HBO's Gunpowder and things like that. But this is a time of great persecution, and yet the Bible is still important enough to them that they're going to work on it. The Mass is still necessary, that they'll risk even prison or possibly death mm -hmm. to do it. And why is that? You see there's something driving them, and really, at, especially with Bishop Shalana, who created the, helped create this edition, see a determination to do God's work that comes from a deep love and also an understanding that if God's on our side, uh, to quote J.R.R. Tolkien, evil's been just in a long defeat, and no matter what will happen, God's word's going to endure because God cannot be defeated by any human device. And if we truly believe that uh, the word of the Lord endures forever, um, mm -hmm. then we should be able to understand that uh, the word of God can therefore speak to every place and every time in some way without talking about coronavirus and uh, the hopelessness perhaps it brings to to some people is a their right. way of life changes or they they their restaurant closes or someone mm -hmm. in their family or multiple people may die in their family or the whole uh, racism issue that we're addressing today but indeed mm -hmm. the word of god uh can speak to every place and time can't it it absolutely can in fact I, this is the hope I do have, because I won't like this whole shutdown, everything has been hard on me and my family, but there's, oh, there is a hope that even now that God's love can reach out, and in many ways I think it can reach out more, that it can be felt more intensely. It, there's that old saying that it, the light shines brightest in the darkness, and you only need a small flame to really enlighten people. And I've seen it uh, with my neighbors, how we're able to come together and at least make sure people are fed and get some food, get some uh, drinks once in a while, social distance, but to take care of one another. And I've also seen my parish really come together to help the poorest members of our parish to make sure there's food available for emergencies for anyone who needs it. And I look at that and I have to, it's, literally the only thing that gives me hope that no matter what happens, no matter how many forest fires that we have here in Colorado, while well, we also have to deal with riots, that things will endure because the love of God is much stronger than any evil out there. And is then why divine revelation should be so important to us now, mm -hmm. beginning even with the incarnation, that, that God should become man become one of us, and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, all the other truths about how uh, faithful living and successful living uh, is determined by, mm -hmm. by that very power of love. 
that you were speaking about and and the fact that indeed uh, God himself is defined in uh, God in John's gospel by the fact that mm-hmm. God is love. So, Michael, we're going to take uh, our second break now, and then whenever we uh, come back, we're going to continue our discussion about uh, the Catholic Reader's Bible and how you sh- how and why you should think about purchasing it because it's different than a lot of others conceptually as a reader's Bible uh, enables you to perhaps understand it uh, more simply and yet profoundly. Take this break and we'll be back. <laughs> 